Ladies and gentlemen, we're shoveling. This is the growing season brought to you by News Talk, Saga 960 AM. I'm Matt McFarland. But the real peach this week is the fact that my parents, ages 67 between them, or each, both... And a bit. And, and a bit, are both talking to us via AirPods. Brand new AirPods have come in the household. I cannot believe this. A year ago, they did not know how to microwave uh, hot water or microwave water to make it hot. And now you got not one, but two sets of AirPods. Jack and Lynn, mom and dad, how are you guys going? Fantastic and a little confused, Matthew. Yes, Matthew, I feel great. Yeah, but a little confused. You definitely dragged us into the digital world. Guys, you sound absolutely lovely. As we are trying to navigate our way through this pandemic, ladies and gentlemen, we are doing our level best to get as close to in-studio sound as humanly possible. And uh, we also do a streaming show on Wednesday nights. Now it's twice a month over the off-season. And we just wanted to see if we could eliminate mics and cords and cables. And nothing sucks worse than having a wonderful show and you being dropped and felled by tech issues. Speaking of being dropped and felled this week, well, we had so much of a reaction for last week's show, which we called Hort Extinction. We're going to do part two. Now, this week on the first half of the show, we're going to be chatting about how climate change will be affecting plants going forward. On the second half of the show, we're going to be chatting about how that is affecting plants that produce edibles. I'm not talking about marijuana, but if you partake in, <laughs> in any manner of cannabis, please, by all means, it is, it is legal. Enjoy responsibly. All that and much more. And again, as I made mention last week, you might want to sit down because some of the stuff gets a little bit depressing. But we managed to put a wonderful spin on it last week. We're going to try to keep things light and fluffy this week. She's Lynn. He's Jack. They are joining us via the wonders of Apple. And I'm Matt doing it old school with a mic in my face. And this is the growing season right here on News Talk. Talk at 960 AM. Ah, yes, we're back growing season news talk it's like a 9 60 a.m look if apple would like to sponsor the podcast i have absolutely no issue saying apple 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 the whole way through and we're not talking about the uh the trees that that produce the fruits i'm talking about the tech company in any event this is the growing season follow along with us growingseasoncanada.com click on show bits that is the visual accompaniment to the show and i uh, we just heard in the uh in the off uh on, on the off-air segment there mom was talking about how she is rapidly rapidly coming to love her airpods and that she can listen to music <laughs> without interrupting the rest of the household right mom yeah it's great yeah because your dad not being a morning person that yeah i'm able to listen to my music quietly beautiful guys i think we did a wonderful job last week of not making light of the subject but definitely taking some of the edge off. And I'd like to see if, if we can continue that this week. Now, normally people take the edge off with like a drink of alcohol, or as I made mention with some edibles, I would not recommend doing that if you are in your vehicle. And again, always enjoy cannabis and, and alcohol responsibly. And if you are of age, mom, dad, where do we start here? And how is climate change affecting these horticultural organisms going forward? Do you know what, Matthew? I think when it comes to climate change, it seems like everybody has a learning disability. I am not kidding you. Right? Okay. All right. So the, the fact of the matter is, in order for plants to go forward, if they are to survive in this world of ours, there's a number of things that actually affect them in a big way. What would that be, Matt? Any idea? In order for plants to move forward, there's a number of things that affect them in a profound way. Okay. Yes. So, uh, okay, I guess, obviously, encroachment of humans onto their... Natural habitat, yes. That's good, yeah. I'm going to say, Jack, uh, changing weather, like how we get these weather swings and we get strange snowstorms like in May. Absolutely. Fantastic. Matt, anything? Um, okay, well, I, it, differences in, in temperature. So if you have something that is, that is used to growing in, in zone whatever and the temperature begins to change. Okay, so for instance... I'm working on, I'm currently working on a landscape plan for uh, clients in Scotland, in Edinburgh, actually in Portobello, Scotland, which is coastal Edinburgh area. And I, I was, I'm, I marvel at seeing how many of these shrub materials that we use here are able to grow in Scotland. So for instance, we are a zone 5A here in Southern Ontario, in Scotland, in Portobello, where I am doing this landscape plan. They are a 9A. So there's a four zone difference here. 
many of the plant materials that I can use here are able to be used in Scotland, but there are a certain number where it says zone five to eight. So dad, my question would be is if you get this thing into a nine, if it's comfortable in zone five to eight, if it's in a nine, is that talking about how it's going to get a little too warm for this thing? Is that the idea? Well, yes. The idea, Matthew, would be something that would be growing in, say, a tropical zone or in a temperate zone, and you're flipping it into something that it doesn't like. Okay. So it's not getting the same amount of water, let's say, through rainfall and so forth. Or it's not, it's being exposed to things that it would never be exposed to on a regular basis. I'll give you an example here, Matt. Out west, okay, the temperatures, are, for the most part, when we used to go out to visit uh, your mom's parents in B.C. initially, yep. Yep. the temperatures were in the neighborhood of probably minus 30, minus 40 degrees Celsius on, for the most part, okay? Yeah. That would be at night. That would be at night. Okay. Okay, so so Matt, the idea was then, so things that would normally not survive through the winter, such as, let's take mountain pine beetle, okay? Something like that. And so the idea, Matthew, would, these things were always in the environment, okay? They existed all the time. But because of a swing in temperature, they were, they were allowed to get into produce and be reproduced into larger numbers than what they existed in the, in the wild to begin with. Okay, you got me? Yep. So things that they attacked trees like, for instance, let me think here for a minute, uh, Pinus banksiana, there's your Latin alert. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Pinus contorta, there would be, okay, so banksiana is your jacks, contorta would be your lodgepoles. Anyways, Matt, all of your abbeys, your firs, your, your picea, your spruces, uh, you, even your uh, abervitae, which are your cedars, okay? And your Sammy Cyperus, which would be your cypress. Anyways, Matthew, even your Larix deciduous. Man, dude, you're just you... dinging me here. There's like sorry, 72 Matt. things that I got to enter into show bits. Thanks, man. I know. I'm sorry. But, Matt, here, here's here's something that's really strange. So all these trees were being attacked by this mountain pine beetle because they are surviving in larger numbers. But what didn't get attacked at the time because of these larger numbers reoccurring within the environment what would they be i know what's up Mama? i know populous tremuloides whoa look at her okay you know what i'll put up a second latin alert for you yeah yeah and mom would you say that it was affecting the mass population huh uh, yeah no <laughs> we saw the trees we saw them as we were driving from edmonton to prince george we saw the gray hillsides the gray mountains oh. and these were the trees that were dead from it and so basically what you're saying, mom, is these trees, like you were, you were, this is going to sound awful, but you were witnessing the shell, like the husk of this tree, what was left of it. Yeah. 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 It was depressing. Wow. Wow. So Matt, another thing that was happening. Okay. So for instance, uh, you must notice there's something called hysteranthus. So those things would, would actually bloom before they leave. Okay. The whole purpose of this is for any time a, a tree blooms in the spring, let's say, no matter what it is, let's say that. It's your forsythia intermedia metabolis, your, your showy golden bells, your forsythias, or yeah. your saucer magnolias, or whatever. Oh, All these ones. Man. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Matt. But anyway, <laughs> the whole purpose is for this to happen is to break the dormancy. Okay? Right. Okay. That's it. So when they come out and they will actually appear too early in the winter, what will happen, especially to things like our stone crops okay so our fruiting things and anything that would have a stone within them so your prunus persica your which are your peaches or your prunus avians your cherries or your prunus prune prunium prunium which would be your plums oh well sorry god. a lot of latin oh going on here and, and just the show bits all of those dings anytime <laughs> there's a ding there i gotta drop a name in the show bit. Uh, sorry maddie no you're not what, what i'm no, what my, my point is so if you have these swings in temperature happening on a regular basis because of the big C word, climate change. Yeah, or COVID. What's happening, or double C word, yeah. climate change. What's happening, Matthew, is you're ending up having a swing of events happening because of temperature. And that is going to start to kill off various things in the future, especially our stone crop fruits out there. But, Matt, you don't have to look at today. We can go back into the future or sorry go go back into the future go sounds like a movie the past okay. am i learning how to play back to the future here is that what's happening no nah, it wasn't the intention actually mm -hmm. but let's go back okay. okay so let's go back to say uh let's take the dust ball okay okay hold up a second 
Okay. What is this? Explain this thing called the Dust Bowl. Because the Dust Bowl feels like to me like when you open the China cabinet and you pull that piece of China out that you haven't pulled out for a while and you have, like to, three dust, years? You have to dust the bowl. No, what the Dust Bowl was, Matthew, was uh, what occurred during the 1930s on the prairies. It occurred in Canada, but more so in the States. In fact, in the, the middle western states, it was the worst. Now, what happened is uh, in Europe, the price of wheat rose during World War One. So when the Americans saw that, wheat was selling um, in 1929 for like $2 a bushel, which is a lot of money. Uh, so Wait a minute, Americans, so then what would that be today? What would that be today in our money? $2 a bushel today would be worth $6.09 in today's dollars. Wheat right now, as of February no, 20th. No, you're wrong then. $2 a bushel in, today, in today's money oh, right. would be $39.04. Oh my, that's, listen, that's right. Yes, nobody is eating, nobody's eating bread ever again. That's crazy. No. And the fact of the matter is, at its worst, okay, so in the 30s, like mid-30s, it was about 40 cents a bushel. Why was that, Lynn? Well, the the price went down. It it dropped from $2 a bushel to 40 cents a bushel. And what that did was it caused the farmers just to plow up more land on the prairies to grow more wheat so they could still get, you know, they make their money on it. Okay, so basically what happened is because of the drop in price... The only way to make it up was to plant more of it. So you were yes. doing you were doing but, quantity over quality here. But the problem was, Matthew, what they were plowing up was this grass called buffalo grass. And buffalo grass had been on the prairies for thousands of years. It's natural. It's native to the prairies. And it has a deep rooting system. So when they started deep plowing this, the soil, it, 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 you know, it just blew away because there, a drought came and high winds and the soil blew away. And so they lost the soil. And it was poor farming practices. See, now they we use seed drills a lot more. Well, seed drills weren't invented back then. They just deep plowed the soil so that they could plant more and more wheat and make more and more money. Okay. What about what else would we do then today? Thank well, we would also let the fields lie fallow too. And, okay. Wheat. And what does this mean? Fallow means you put a cover crop on the field and you just Okay. You let it sit for a couple of years. It regenerates the soil. Okay. Now, hold on. Okay, wait a minute. Wait no, a minute. no, 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 no. You, you wait a second here for a second. Okay. Because you guys are... Okay. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, we, <laughs> we are not your average contractors. <laughs> I just sit back here and I marvel at exactly what just came out of my mom's mouth. And... Normally, what comes out of my mom's mouth, we can't put on the radio. But the point is, uh, okay, but only when I'm tired and silly. Yeah, but this is, guys, I I literally cannot believe some of the stuff that that we are able to unearth, and and it's it's definitely a credit to you guys. Like you guys are doing all the research for this. We're not agriculturalists, okay? These are we're horticulturalists, weird landscape designers, consultants, and my mom. My mom went to school for for business administration. <laughs> she is talking about the dust bowl and uh, buffalo grass and it was poor farming practices and fields laying fallow. Guys, I'm really proud of you, by the way. I'm really proud. Oh, of you. thank you, Matt. Thank, thank you. you. Wow. Thank you. Okay, so poor. So 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 back to farming practices. Go. So anyhow, yeah. So because of the drought, because well, the lack of rain and the heat and the winds. The soil just blew away. In fact, on May the 11th in 1934, there was a massive dust storm that was two miles high. And this dust storm traveled 2,000 miles from central U.S. to New York City. They had dust coating the Statue of Liberty. What? Really? That's how much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It Sorry, was, Mom. Mom, go back for me for a second here. What year was this? On May the 11th, 1934. All right. This is a wonderful... This is a wonderful place for me to start to... Let's throw a little bit of a caveat up here, okay? We released Horde Distinction Part 1, and there was some... There was some heated debate on many of these Facebook gardening groups that we are a part of surrounding this topic. In fact, I knew going into this 
that there was going to be some heated debate surrounding this. Just want to throw up a public service announcement here. Okay. We are not, we are not in any way advocating for or invalidating any of the information that we are presenting. We are merely presenting it. If you'd like to go and dig deeper onto any of this stuff, that is completely up to you. Do I believe that that climate change exists? Hell yes, I do. And here's why. Many of our listeners, you have seen where you live. You have seen your property a lot. You probably have seen your parents' property. You probably have seen the properties or the places that you've gone on vacation. My father and I, and now my mother, over the course of 70 plus years in horticulture, have seen a lot of properties. Okay, and we've seen a lot of horticultural changes. Okay, things where you heard us talk about it. We stopped planting yuccas years ago because the winters were such that, that they were killing them off. Well, well, we can plant yuccas now. I would have never put a Japanese or a um, a shinomali japonica, okay, a Japanese quince on a job site in the Brampton area, let's say. I would have never done that 15 years ago. But now, because the climate has changed enough, I can probably slip that in there and not be worried, not be laying awake overnight going, am I going to be replacing a Japanese quince because of this climate? I'm telling you, the information that we are presenting here is in some ways based on observation. We have been out on sites. Dad, how many sites do you figure that you've seen over the course of your career? Um, in the probably eight, 9,000 okay. range, Matthew. There you go. So, Dad, in the course of seeing eight, 9,000 sites, have you begun to notice trends? Absolutely, Matthew. Yeah. Again, especially with the insects, for instance, and certain things being able to survive through the winter. That yeah. was another thing I've noticed. Yeah. So all I'm saying is we're not necessarily claiming that this is the absolute truth because we know that there are people on the other side that are saying that there are holes in these in the theory of global warming, okay, and climate change. But we are also not invalidating its importance. Take this information for what it's worth, if you want to go forth and Google it, much of what we're going to present coming up is going to be slightly inflammatory and a little bit eyebrow raising. And again, I just want to let you know, I'm not pushing any agenda. Right, guys? Sure. Yeah, well, Matthew, the point I was trying to make as far as, say, the insects initially was that the fact that certain insects, especially like our little friend, the bee, yeah, is, is responsible for pollinating approximately 250,000 of our various seed seed-bearing plants that produce flour, okay? Okay. But, but the thing is, you're, you're giving the insects a leg up, okay? So you're allowing them to survive in greater numbers through the winter. Mom was talking about the, the fact that uh, because of the dust bowl and all the improper, say, farming practices and so forth, they didn't have the, the knowledge back then as they do today. So we would do something called zero-till. Do you know what zero-till is, Matt? Well, zero-till is basically where you do not till the field. Now that sounds like me, me me trying to make a joke, but you're basically plowing as little as humanly possible. Yes? Yes. And a mom mentioned the word seed drill. So they would actually put the seed through the area that's in there. So they're not taking all that away. So all that natural fertilizer that's existing and so forth is there within the environment itself. So Matt, it's a, it's a, what we can do is we can do things that are very positive. And if you look at it, Matt, for the most part, we were talking grain crops. Okay, so for, for instance, grain crops, they would actually benefit from climate change if they had an extended growing season, Matt. Yeah, pardon but, the pun, by the way. No, I, oh. I, I, get, I get it, Matt. Yeah. But it's really on the cool side as far as that certain things would do better with an extended growing but season. But, Dad, you but, said that ginkgo biloba, the ginkgo tree, would love to have an extra degree or two, yes? Sure. And the thing <laughs> is, Matthew, they said that when something is going extinct in the wild, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go extinct. Okay, the idea is, Matt, Mom, tell them some of the ways that we can help. Well, we can help by planting some of these plants that are going extinct in their own wild habitat. If they're applicable to our zone, we can plant them in our gardens. It doesn't even have to be a big mass planting. Now, you take the tree, the Fraser fir, it is going extinct in its own habitat, which I was very surprised is in uh, Virginia and the Carolinas. I thought with the name Fraser, it would be in BC, but I was wrong. 
So in its own wild habitat, it's going extinct, but it's not going to go extinct totally because it's farmed as a Christmas tree. Well, in the wild, wait a minute, Matt, in the wild, the Fraser fir basically has 11 individual trees left. What? That's it. About 11 trees. So it goes to show you that certain things will have really limited numbers within the wild, in the wild itself. Like, you know yourself personally, would you think that jack pine and lodgepole pine and scotch pine would be something that was endangered? No. Okay, you're right. But in Illinois, it is. Okay, but... Why? Well, because the lumber industry, yes? Yeah. Possibly, okay, yeah. Problem. yeah. But now, but the issue, or not the issue, but I was under the impression that now, obviously, this changes country by country, but I was under the impression that the lumber industry was responsible for replenishing whatever it is that they cut down. It was like two to one or whatever it was, whatever tree they're yeah. cutting down, right? The issue being is that when you cut down a lodgepole pine of X size, you go and plant the little sapling. Well, that's not getting to be the same size that you just cut down for years upon years upon years, right? It's all about it's it's all about the uh, the length of the wood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's all... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But Matthew, here's the biggest problem. You just mentioned, say, lodgepole, and let's take jack pine as well. Yeah. So all those trees. I remember I mentioned. I said you're letting insects get a, the upper hand. Okay. So that mountain pine beetle. But at that time, within a roughly a ten year period. 50 to 60% of the conifers in out west, Matthew, were taken out by the stupid mountain pine beetle. Yeah, and again, this is where climate change fits in because if you had extended cold winters, that would go to help killing, let's say, 30% of these pine beetles, right? Actually, I think I more. more. Okay. I think it's closer to 80%. Okay. I could be wrong. So then the idea being is that, okay, so now you've got not only this year's pine beetles, but you've got 50% of last year's pine beetles. It's the exact same as the the black-legged tick that is one of the vectors for Lyme disease. Part of the reason why Lyme disease is on the rise is because you don't have just this year's ticks. You got last year's ticks as well. Because our, our winters haven't been cold enough. You got it. Well, to kill them off. And I'm talking sustained cold. I'm not talking one or two mornings a month where it's below minus 20 with the wind chill. I'm talking two to three weeks or more. Okay, so, but even take this year, for example. Look at this year's January. No, yeah, it was too mild. That was the meekest January I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a winter sure. for wimps. Not yeah. ridiculous. Now, February came in, wasn't necessarily crazy cold, but lots of snow, piles and piles of it. Holy jeez. I think we had 45 centimeters or or 50 centimeters in like one week or something, wasn't it? Yeah. Sure. And yeah. Matthew, there's another thing. The the snow actually is an insulating thing. Yeah. So that it would protect the roots of the various trees and so forth to allow them to lo- survive better through the winter. And so in the wild, as you know, the leaves are there to do the same job. So they would that would help out the forest and so forth. But anybody with their individual trees with on their property themselves, if they don't have a lot of snow cover, then they're going to have to do something to circumvent, to help them out through the winter, okay? Yeah. And even if they're on, just on in our zone, okay, you're going to have to keep in mind that in the future, zone hardiness is going to change. Yours might change by a full zone or two zones. And you're going to be able to grow certain trees or plants within your, in your yard or on your property that you could never grow before. And I know you hear things like, oh man, palm trees are growing in D.C., Okay, but they say that's very possible. Remember uh, Chris St. Clair saying that, yes, it was very possible within the next decade or two to see actual palm trees growing in Toronto itself. That's disgusting. But, yeah, actually, that bothers me. But, okay. Maddie, here's a, here's a big one. Okay, so down in the rainforest, okay, so they're cutting down all the trees. We mentioned the numbers. I won't get into that. But they have, again, we, we mentioned ones that have the flower first and then they get the leaves next. Well, they have something also called Cauliflorus. What's a cauliflorus, Lynn? That is a tree that has its flower and then its fruit right on the trunk yeah, so or like, on the main branches. Like uh, jackfruit or um, cannonball tree. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. Brazil nuts, of course. Everybody knows about Brazil nuts. <laughs> and uh, Yes, we do. You know, the fact is that, Matt, you know, they, they have the nuts on their trunk, something like you and I. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Jack. Goodness gracious. <laughs> 
Yes. But Matt, yes. the the actual now hold on a second, Dad. If it's Brazilian, it also means that it has no foliage around the trunk. Right? No, no for, oh. foliage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Maddie, here's a really tough question for you. Okay? Yeah, thirty seconds. So, what is an example in our in in our say our zone area that we could grow that is a coliflorous plant? In our zone. No idea? No. Mom? It's a red bud. Oh, red yes, Circus. Circus Canadensis. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Hold. All I could remember was red bud. Wonderful. Okay. On the other side, we're going to we're gonna pick that up quickly. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. And we are headed to commercial break. On the other side, get your buds red. And then we're going to talk about some edibles, not marijuana. This is the growing season on News Talk. It's on 960 AM. CK, we're shoveling here on the growing season. Brought to you by News Talks, like a 9:60 a.m. Many thanks to the sounds of horticulture, and actually one of our astute listeners, Elizabeth Strong. Thank you for listening, Elizabeth. You are wonderful. She actually made mention. Hey, you 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 changed up the tractor sound at the beginning of our little break there with a lawnmower sound. This woman, she is sharp as a tack, actually a box of tacks. I absolutely love it, guys. We have seen over the last number of years how certain certain flowering shrubs that were at one point just natives or not necessarily considered to be of of accent worthiness have now been slightly altered and tweaked and now they are considered to be bespoke or even boutique the red bud has become one of those go-to things where they have now altered it and switched it around and hybridized it enough that it has become one of these wonderful accent plants, right? Lavender twist is a beautiful, Yeah, beautiful so that's, what, that's the one on our property, Matthew. You got, got it. Me. It's a lavender twist. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. cool little thing. And we bring this up because Dad mentioned this is a cauliflorus, uh, right, Dad? That's, that's how I pronounce yeah, it? Cauliflorus, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to have to watch it this year. Oh, yeah. It's going to be beautiful, Mom. It's absolutely gorgeous. If, if you've not seen one, guys, actually, it's pretty simple. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits right there is a lavender twist red bud. They're absolutely beautiful, beautiful. And again, as I made mention, thank you to the hybridizers doing this stuff because they're making things that would not not be necessarily appealing on sites. They're making it much more appealing. And I keep coming back to it. The Apollo sugar maple, a sugar maple normally gets about 50 to 60 feet at the, at the spread and about the same at the height. Well, now the Apollo is 10 feet, 10 feet on the spread and 25 on the height. So they've literally dwarfed, they've made a dwarf sugar maple. Unbelievable. Absolutely cool. Guys? Hey, Matthew, uh, but you, you haven't actually seen it in the in the wood, per se, right? <laughs> no, no, no. So I've never physically seen it myself either. So how do you know then if it's going to be, you know, zone hardy or it's going to be hardy to, say, implementing it on job sites? Well, we're going to try some. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Somebody else in. is dying. That's yeah. it. It ain't it ain't it ain't my tree. <laughs> so so Maddie, let's go back to say basically uh I believe uh cauliflorus again. I know this is getting picked on today, but anyways, besides you know you're there's something that you love a lot, which is basically a cauliflorus plant. What is that, Matt? Oh I like I like red bud. No, no, I'm talking about an edible now. Let's flip to an edible. Blueberries. No. No, they're not cauliflowers. Mom? Is it coffee? Coffee. Oh my God. Listen, I listen. I love I love coffee. Here's a here's a little bit of a coffee story for you, okay? Uh if I if I don't have coffee in the morning, like available, okay, I will literally I will go out in my pajamas. I will literally go out in my work boots and my pajamas to a Starbucks and grab a pound of Starbucks Sumatra. I absolutely, absolutely adore coffee. I only have one cup a day because caffeine affects me, but 
I will literally, guys, I would almost, if there was no pants available, I might just go naked. Honestly, it is, it is, it is, it is that important. Now, granted, I'm a bit of a coffee snob. I, I buy my beans whole and I grind them right then and there for the cup. But yeah, I don't have very many vices. Honestly, I'm not a big drinker. I don't smoke, but I do. I have your mom. Yes. That's yeah. disgusting. Yes. Yeah. And there's the sound of, of vomiting in the background there. Um, yeah. But I, I, I have to admit my one cup a day and the thought of the Arabica plant, which is the plant that produces the cherries, the coffee cherries, which then we roast the seeds of that cherry. The thought of that plant being red listed is like, I would literally sacrifice any plant. Wait a minute, Matt, can you explain red list, please? Okay, so a red list is essentially, this is the list that they have created. And it's funny because we kept bringing this up last week and I had a number of my, of our listeners, not my listeners, our listeners say, okay, so exactly what is the red list? The red list is not necessarily just for plant materials, okay? Basically, it highlights the extinction risk, 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 placed by a plant species in the wild or another species, or doesn't have to be plant-based, raise awareness for the need to protect them and aid prioritization for the conservation efforts. Okay, so this is the list where if something gets on the list, it's like, okay, this thing needs to be prioritized. We don't necessarily need to be spending near as much time on the Austrian pine as we are. Let's go and, <laughs> right, let's go and look at something that's needs a, that needs our attention more. Yes. Sure, and yeah. the idea, Matt. There's, there's a pro- it, It's called Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species or Cities. Okay. Okay. But Matt, the idea is that it's basically, like you said, it's about fauna or flora, and it's an agreement between all these different governments. Matt, approximately one hundred and let me think here for a second. Eighty-three are involved right now, and two of which are not. Do you have any idea who they would might be? The United States isn't involved, right? No, they're involved. Okay. They're involved. Yeah, they're involved. It's North Korea and South Sudan that aren't signed off. Okay, because I thought that, uh, you know, part of yeah, the previous, previous American government would have been like, well, we don't need that. What we do need is to build some walls and we need more fighter jets, but let's actually not take part in this whole red list. Thing. Sure. And the idea, Matt, that we, we need plants and, and trees and everything else for breeding. But, Matt, there is something out there. That is so small and yet produces so much oxygen. Do you have any idea what it might be? My son, Logan, he weighs about 40 pounds. <laughs> He's very small, but he produces a ton of oxygen because he never stops asking questions. But honestly, I have, I have no idea. What is it? Mom? It's a little uh, synthetic organism. It's called the Prochlorococcus. I'm sorry, what, what was that last part of the word? Prochlorococcus. All right, that could get us in trouble. Uh, no, it's a little <laughs> tiny organism yeah. that lives in the euphotic zone of tropical oceans. Now, the euphotic zone in the ocean is just, you know, the surface of the ocean, the water, and it's the zone below it. It's okay. the water. It gets enough sunlight to do photosynthesis. So this little organism lives there. Now, it is truly abundant. A single milliliter of surface seawater may take may may contain 100,000 cells of this little guy or more. Okay, this this thing needs to wear a condom. (laughs) Well, no, we need this thing. It produces oxygen, okay? So let it keep partying. After hearing that, Matt, maybe we should go back to coffee for a minute. We need some some sort of a psychoactive drug or something going on. (laughs) Yeah. But, but Matt, anyways, we were talking about your coffee for a second. Uh, They say it may go extinct in the next... What was that? 50 years or something, right? That's not good. But 2050. So that's not even that long. But Matt, it's extinct in the wild. Okay. It's going to be extinct in the wild. It's not going to necessarily be extinct in the where they're actually. Right. Right. Okay. So because, okay, because it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this and she said, wait a second, what do you mean here? And I, cause we're talking about the Magnolia and how you said that, that the Magnolia, the, the officinalis was beginning to go extinct. Yes. In the wild. A wild magnolia, which by all, you know what? Take them. Take them all. Who cares? Useless, useless, <laughs> useless shrub. but Or tree. Big, small tree, big shrub. But obviously, places like Conan, who are farming these things, they would keep this thing going for sale. Right? So what you're saying is that wild coffee is going to be going extinct. Yes? Sure. And the idea, Matt, is that Arabica is probably... 
in the crosshairs, okay? Because of what it requires in order for it to grow, okay? But but the biggest problem with coffee, man, it is bee pollinated. It's also I said it was also a a cauliflower, okay? So in、yeah. other words, it produces the actual coffee cherry on the trunk or on the bark itself, okay? Yeah. So right next to the actual trunk. So it's very specific on how it grows, but it really requires the bees and the, and the work sort of way. So if the temperatures change dramatically, the, the bees would just not pollinate the crops as much. There wouldn't be as much of the coffee crop to begin with. The price would become astronomical, Matt. You couldn't afford to buy coffee, mind you. In your case, you probably would. Yep. But the idea is, Matt, rising temperatures and unpredictable weather would repel the bees for the most part, and that's why they're talking that coffee could. Go the way of the dodo bird、no. by twenty fifty. I won't so, even hear of not, it. I won't hear、no. of it. No way. No, and I do. I agree. I don't think so. Yeah. But Matt, here's a big one for you. Okay, so what if we flip to say maple trees? Let's pick sugar maples. Okay. So what's the Latin for sugar maple, Matthew? Acer sacarum. Okay. So the problem with the sugar and you know what? Look, hey, listen. While we're on this, listen. Whoever came up with the name of these things, look. Sugar maples, Acer sacarum. Silver maples, Acer saccharinum. Like you couldn't have, like you couldn't、yeah. have gone a little bit further as far as differentiation. Like, come on, guys. Like, isn't there a Latin? Isn't there a Latin word for silver? Well, silver maple. That、right? is silver. Saccharinum.、Oh, no. Oh, oh. No. Con color. Con color. Yeah.、Right. Why couldn't、But、they go Acer con color? White. White could change a lot. Alba. Strobus. Okay, so、yeah. there's all different ways of、uh, that they would actually spell the word white. Now,、Latin. actually,、really、and now this is interesting. Now they did. Now the Latin did get it right. Okay, so when you say "pinus nigra," that translates into English into English as garbage, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, ladies and gentlemen, that's the Latin for Austrian pine. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Dad, go on. So Matt, they've been on maple trees live for about two to three hundred years, okay? Yeah. And so they've been on Earth,、uh, maple trees for the most part, about one hundred and twenty to one hundred million years. And the maple syrup itself has been collected for thousands of years. But the idea here, Matt, is that the first account of the Mackey taking maple syrup was around sixteen oh nine, and everybody who puts it on their pancakes. By the way, I don't like it on my pancakes. I prefer the. The corn syrup, my dad. I got to tell you, I am with you, man. We have maple syrup here, and my son loves it. I don't like it. I like the table syrup. I much prefer it. Yeah, and Jemima. So, Matt, we've had a lot of issues back to climate change. So, back in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, we had all that ice storms no, over ni- in Jack ninety seven, ninety eight. Okay, sorry, my、yeah. my wife corrected no, me. Nineteen seven, ninety eight. But Matt, it destroyed millions of trees. Okay. Yeah. So. That that was devastating to the to the actual maple trees, sugar maple trees themselves. But Lynn, what is the main problem right now with with climate change and how it affects the actual getting the actual syrup from the trees what, or the sap? Sorry, from the what trees. What the maples, make- what the maple trees need to start making sap is warm days and cold below freezing nights. Somehow or another, that changes the pressure inside the tree. And causes the sap to run, and with our erratic weather patterns, it's 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 playing around with what the tree needs. If the tree isn't getting the right weather conditions to cause the pressure to make the sap run, so yes,、uh, I'm not saying the industry is doomed, but it's not going to be something that you're going to be able to rely on like it's been relied on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Huh?、Okay. So Matt. She, she's one hundred percent right on that, but the fact of the matter is, again, something that is necessarily going to happen in the wild. Well, in the case of the maple trees, well, they're basically mostly in the wild. Okay. Yeah. But when you take something, except that, is- that, except if you're a municipality and you're planting Norway maples, aka the garbage deciduous cousin of the Austrian pine, and you're just planting <laughs> these things willy nilly all over people's sites, I can't. <laughs> Nor-、yeah. Norway maples are everywhere. They are awful. That's an、sure. awful tree. <laughs> no, and and I don't think from a,、uh, for the most part that they would actually use Norway maples, Acer platinoides for maple syrup. Okay, no. But you know what, Matt? They do have other kind of syrups. You can get it from Populus tremuloides, the ones that kick the back butts of all the 
pine trees out out west, okay? Yeah. But they also would use things like, I'm thinking, Betula papyrifera, so the birches, Matt. Yeah. So they would use all that kind of thing as well for the syrup or the sap they take to make into the syrup. But Matt, one of the ones that bugs me the most, I'm a real apple fanatic, especially the, which ones we eat a lot of, Lynn? Oh, honey crisp. Honey crisp. Or apple snobs. Which is a trademark apple. Okay, you I got to tell that? you something. You might, Okay, like you want to know something, tell you the truth. Have you guys had ambrosia? Yes. Yeah, they're good. I prefer ambrosia or the jazz apples over the Honeycrisp any day. Oh, really? Yep. So does it have the same crunch as the Honeycrisp? Not nearly the same snap, but the problem that I find with the Honeycrisp, and maybe it's just this year, and I'm not sure if you guys have noticed it, but the Honeycrisp is getting a little bit Granny Smith. Like, it's getting a little bit tarter. For me, it's way less, it's way less sweet than it was last year or the year before, whereas the ambrosia and the jazz seem to be a lot more consistent as far as taste. We'll have to try one. Yeah. We'll have sure. to try some. Yeah. But, but Matt, my point was that, so let's take the apple, for instance. Okay, so everything from the apple came from the wild varieties. Okay, so we have something called Malik Siversi, which was originally, Matt, collected out of Europe and West Asia around 10,000 years ago. And it yeah. was a and it was domesticated around 4,000 years BCE, okay? So it's been around a while. But the wild varieties like, say, the Bacata or the Orientalis and the Silvestris, they're, they're all still here, but the numbers are getting reduced more and more over the years. And these are the actual originals, okay? These are the apples where everything came from. These are the crab apples where everything came from. Let me be more precise. But Matt, I love my apples and I don't want to see them gone. And the thing is, because of the changes in weather, what's happening is uh, we get these freeze and thaw things going on. So the blooms may, may come out temporarily in the wintertime. We will get a, say, a warm up in January and yeah. all of a sudden they might start to pop. OK. Yeah. And and meanwhile, they'll, they'll get frozen off. Yeah. And then maybe it'll go and be fine again and they'll go back to sleep because they they're having to be affected by their their ethylene block. They're something that makes the dormancy stay in place okay yeah but but the idea matt what happened is if this keeps happening on and on and on all the time what happens eventually is you don't get much fruit on the trees themselves and that would be a shame yeah yeah agreed absolutely this is and again we we you know you don't necessarily think about it because if you're not an orchard owner this wouldn't affect you but imagine being someone like scott lunell from from albion orchards who who owns an apple and an apple orchard and his crop is being affected because I'm driving to work. Right? Yeah. Like, because of yeah. climate change. Yes. Right? I agree with you 100%. It's, it, I know your, your mom is a real chocolate fanatic, Matt. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> and that's been around for approximately 2,000 years. And okay. they think because of, I didn't say I thought, they think that because of climate change, that the, the production of cocoa is going to be decreased to the point by 2030, Matt, it's going to be absolutely deplorable as far as chocolate lovers out there. Oh, no. I, I love chocolate. One of the reasons that this is happening is uh, the cocoa tree or the chocolate tree, whatever it's called. Theobroma cacao tree. Theobroma no, no, cacao, cacao tree. tree. It's very picky about where it lives. It can only grow within 20 latitudes north and 20 latitudes south of the equator. It likes lots of humidity, tons of rain, like 15, Jack, isn't it 1,500 to 2,500 millimeters of rain per year? Yeah. And, and the soil has to be very rich. And if it doesn't get these fancy conditions, nothing will happen. The tree will wither and die. So as climate is changing, yeah, these trees may die. And oh, heaven forbid, we may run out of chocolate. You know what, Mom? On air... You just jumped a grade level in radio. Did you realize what you did? No, I don't remember studying for it either. Okay. Dad finished off a subject, and I didn't have to prompt you to jump in and say anything. You literally picked right up where he left off and then ran with it. And then, oh, in typical Yoda style, he's he tries to barge his way in there and, and, oh, no. and then talk, and you let him talk, and then you jumped right back in. Mom, oh, it's, that was fantastic. 
Oh, thank you. It was about job. chocolate, my favorite, one of my favorite foods. It's a great job. It's a great job. Also, too, Dad, when, when you clap, uh, I get quite the response through the AirPods. It's pretty fantastic, actually. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's pretty cool. You should say it's fantastic. Okay. So, Maddie. Yeah. So, wait a minute. One thing here. If you had to pick something, let's pick, say, avocados. Yeah, love them. Strawberries. Love them. Which one would you want to chat about first? Oh, avocados. Bring it. Okay. Love it. So, Matt, anyways, they figure that with oh. approximately 50 years, 85% of the avocado crop will be gone. Okay, why? is this now, is this wild? Nope, this is real. This is, no, no, okay, so this is, this this is, is real. That we're growing. <laughs> this is real. The ones in the wild, they don't even exist. They aren't even real. Okay. Well, I would imagine there's wild ones. Sure. In okay. Mexico, for sure. And this is this is a this is a darn shame because avocados are awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, so the the issue being is that from what I am to understand, it's like seventy two gallons of water per fruit to get yes. this thing to basically become what we know as the avocado. Yes. Yes, and the problem, Matthew, is they grow about ten percent of the actual overall crop is grown. In California, and if you think about it for a minute, California has gone through probably almost a decade of very low rainfall, yeah. and that has affected them in a big way. And normally, what they would do is they try to get, they want to have in the neighborhood of forty to fifty feet of snow up in the mountains, so that they can have enough uh, water within the reservoirs to get them through the year. You got that? Forty to fifty feet. Yeah, fifty feet of actual snowfall in the mountains and then they will they, they filter they uh, siphon that off and use it for all various methods Matt and because of all these dry years they've gone through they've had to go and basically up till recently anyways they had to drain the reservoirs almost in order to keep the, the fruit and so forth production and then avocados is one and also almonds is another one Matt okay from from actually not having enough so they, they got rid of approximately about 20% of their almonds but Matt yeah, it is. Most of these grow in Mexico. They've been around between 7,000 to 5,000 BC. And the archaeologists have found that they've actually been eating them for about 1,000 years. So Love they've it. been no, around for 10,000 years. They found evidence in a cave 10, years. that avocados were being eaten 10,000 years. And do you know what the word avocado comes from? I know. What? Testicles. Yeah, the Aztec word for testicles. <laughs> Unlike orcas, that's the Greek word for testicles. Oh, man. You see that, Matt? I just Your got... just corrected me on a thousand and I know. ten thousand. I know. My yeah. brain doesn't work quite the way it used to. You know what, though? Honestly, as far as winners and losers on this episode, mom is in, mom is in the lead. She is, like, it's like three nothing for Lynn. It's fantastic. Oh, it's I'm, fantastic. I'm working on a hat trick, eh? <laughs> well, no, a hat yeah. trick would be, a hat trick would be, three goals this is also assuming that that you scored all three goals to get the hat trick but that's just being presumptuous yeah, no, but I the point so Maddie, what? go ahead so what's the problem with strawberries why is, could strawberries become a thing of the past what's wow the first of all they're they're wildly inconsistent honestly when's the last time you had a really good strawberry huh? actually you know what matthew for the most part i'm not a big strawberry fan i'm not either and you want to know something is that there's only a very short window of time when they're good it's kind of like cherries and as much as i love cherries because cherry is my favorite fruit but as much as i love a cherry there really is a what like a six week eight week window where they're great and yeah. then the rest of the time it's kind of matthew do you remember when you were a, a little boy and we went to florida yeah. and we would go to that strawberry festival in plant oh, city so good <gasps> Those strawberries were the size of a child's fist, and yeah. they'd make these humongous strawberry shortcakes. They were like, basically, they were you ate size. one, it, yeah. yeah, and you didn't have to eat for the rest of the day. You were so full. Yeah, well, that's the States, though. We have about a minute, 20 seconds, so if we're going to get to strawberries, we better get to it quick. Strawberries, or Fregaria, are native to North America. They've basically been on Earth for thousands of years in the wild. They were shipped to Europe, basically, back in the 1600s. But Matt, Florida and California are responsible for about 82% of all the strawberries grown in the world, which represents about 1.3 billion pounds of strawberries. Well, thanks so no to Florida for a crappy, Matthew, thanks, thanks to Florida for a crappy tasting fruit, whatever. Oh, whatever. But Matt, just remember, there's a lot of people eating them in the world. 1.3 billion pounds. <laughs> but just think about this, Matt. The problem is, is the temperature. The swings of temperature are mainly the issue, Matt. If it gets too cold, 
then the, if they get frost on them, it damages the fruit. So ice, they spray down the crops with a, with, uh, with water, and then that turns, it turns the ice and protects the fruit somewhat. But Matt, the major problem is you're going to get less berry production because of damage to the fruit itself. So that's the issue. So in the future, they're going to become way more expensive because you have to grow more because there's less of them actually making it to market. And that is a wonderful place to press pause. And that is it. And as usual, the cup runneth over. Mom, something quick, 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 quick. Okay, we could have a problem with wine grapes. There are 1,100 planted varieties of wine grapes, but we only use about 1% of them. And with the weather warming up, wine growing areas like Napa, wine growing, grape growing areas like Napa and Sabona down in California, they're going to get way too hot. So wine growers are going to have to move to different grape varieties that can handle the heat. Oh, wow. Okay, that was, that was succinct. I don't feel terribly bad, Matt. Yeah, oh, well, I do. I like my wine. I like I like wine too. Yeah, that would be uh, and chocolate dipped strawberries too. So I'm really in trouble. <laughs> yeah, mom is like, I'm not leaving the house ever. Okay, no. I want my nectarine. <laughs> GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on show bits. That's a visual accompaniment to the show. Directly after this show airs, this this show here will be podcasted right within that blog, so you can click play and then follow along as well. Landscape design, install, season, as well as consults are right upon us. Now, the issue being is on all three of those, I am booking rapidly. But you know what? Try your luck. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Contact or TGS Live, which is our little podcast, our modus operandi for how we treat subdivision landscape. I have about eight landscape plans in the queue right now. So if you're if you're calling right now for landscape plans and stuff, I'm going to say, yeah, I can get to you, but it's not going to be for a little bit. We always end the show in the same way. Guys, why are the T-Rexes extinct? No idea, Matt. Because they couldn't wash their hands. <laughs> oh, poor T-Rex. <laughs> poor Boy, you'd have to put one up for that, eh, Matt? For sure. Mom? Till next time, have a good one, and please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs.